Hello everyone and welcome to From the Archives. This podcast goes back to many sermons preached over many years. We thought we'd bring them from the past here into the present so you can enjoy some of the messages that came before. Take a listen to what we have tonight. We are closing out our study on Jephthah tonight. Uh, I knew that Gene was going to be able to speak to us, and so this message is very short. But don't sell it short. Yeah, I heard that. This is how we wrap it up. Jephthah begins with the sin of Israel. Israel sins against God. God sends an oppressor. A man who is rejected because of his birthright is called back into action. They try to cheap him out. They try to make him a military commander, but he becomes their king. He becomes their leader. He enters into the battle and foolishly makes a vow that costs him his daughter, his only daughter, his only child. Tonight we finish that story. I want to talk about the price of power. Gene's been talking tonight about the price that we're paying to win the hearts and the minds of the Afghan people. But there's a price to any power. I say this, for every victory there is a price that must be paid. The price for victory in Afghanistan are the 32 men that Gene lost. That's the price that's been paid so far. And across the whole war on terrorism, the price has been much higher, not just for the U.S., but for every country around the world that has been touched by terrorism. There's a huge price we paid. But even Jephthah, here in the book of Judges, chapter 12, he has to pay a price for the victory that he won. Judges 12, verse 1 is where we're going to start tonight. And this is one of the prices that you must pay for having a victorious life. You must suffer the jealous. The word suffer means to put up with or to endure or to encounter and to live with. Many of you know what it means to suffer a fool. Many people who act foolishly, speak foolishly, live foolishly, we have to try to put up with them in order to try and win them to the Lord. Steve is going to try and win good old right number Mike to the Lord. But that's going to be in the Lord's hands, not Steve. Steve just has to go and maybe suffer with some of the questions. You know, and Gene's been talking about suffering with this person he's working with. And he genuinely has a desire to win him to Christ. But until then, there's a suffering that goes on. Let's look at it. Judges 12, verse 1. We must suffer the jealous. The men of Ephraim were called to arms. They crossed to Zaphon and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the Ammonites and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house over you with fire. Now what the heck is that all about? What is going on? Okay, let's take a look at it. Verse 1. Why did you cross over to fight against the Ammonites and you did not call us? All I can say is, oh man, here we go again. You know that these people have had a long, long history of not getting along with each other. If you go back to Judges chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, you'll see that there was another battle. And that battle was fought by Gideon. Gideon fought a great battle. He won. He even chased them down to the, down to the shore. And uh, the Ephraimites caught those who were going across the fords of the river. But then the very people who caught these kings complained, Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? Let's take a look at it. Judges 8, verses 1 through 3. You'll see that what happened is the kings were caught. It says this, Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this that you have done to us not to call us when you went to fight with Midian? And they accused him fiercely, talking of Gideon. And they said to him, 
What have I done now in comparison to you? This is Gideon speaking. Is not the gleaning of the grapes in Ephraim better than the grape harvest of Abijer? God has given into your hand the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. That's those who went down to the river, who crossed over. What have I been able to do in comparison to you? Then their anger against him subsided when he said this. Now see, Gideon dealt with this jealousy from the people of Ephraim. He dealt with their jealousy by appeasing them, by saying, hey, look at this. Yes, I fought a battle. I won a great battle. But what happened? The princes of Midian, God ran them right into your hands. Look what you did. You took the princes. I'm nothing in comparison to you. Right? That's basically what he said. I'm nothing. Why are you mad at me? You got the better end of the deal. Now Gideon could afford to be generous. Gideon did not want to have a battle with the people of Ephraim. But it appears that these two people, these two tribes, who at one time were brothers, the same people, had drifted apart and had become enemies. Now here we are again, a little bit later, and it's the same conflict. It's the same accusation. Why were they accusing them? Well this time, when they won their battle, they kept all of the booty for themselves. They kept all of the treasure, all that was taken for themselves. Did Ephraim really want to get in on the fight? I don't think so. What did Ephraim want? They wanted their cut of the gold. They wanted their cut of all the precious things that were taken. And they felt like the Gibeonites were just not sharing with them. The Gideonites were not sharing with them. And that they wanted their part of it. That's what was going on. They didn't want to fight the battle. They wanted to reap the rewards. So you know what? We have to suffer those who are jealous sometimes. If your Christian life is going really well, somebody is not going to like you over it. You know, if Steve goes out here and he has a great chance to, to witness to this guy, and then someone's going to start griping. Well, who does that Steve think he is? He's not the pastor. What's he doing trying to lead someone to Jesus? He should have called the pastor to do that. Steve, thank you for not calling the pastor to do that. Thank you for doing it yourself. You know why? Because the power's not me or you. It's in the Lord. And that's what Gideon had said. Gideon said, the Lord ran them into your hands. So be happy with what you have. Let's see what we have here now. Judges 12, 2 through 4. Okay, if we have to suffer the jealous, we also have to show resolve. Here's the thing that Gene's talking about. You got a few months left, Gene, and when guys turn into short timers, they start getting sloppy. They start getting a little weak. They start getting a little fearful, a little timid. They stop paying attention to all the things that they have to do. Maybe you've been a Christian for so long, you no longer pay attention to the important fundamental basics of your walk with the Lord. Okay, you don't do any of the big major sins, but how about the minor sins? How about the sins of the mind? How about the sins of the desires? How about the sins of the I wants and the I should have? How about the sin of the Ephraimites? Hey, where's my cut of all of this? Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I can't have all of this stuff, right? The jealousy sets in. So you have to show resolve. I like what he says here. Gideon, I mean, um, Judges 12, 2 through 4. And Jephthah said to them, I and my people had a great dispute with the Ammonites. And when I 
called on you, you did not save me from their hand. And when I saw that you would not save me, I took my life in my hand and crossed over against the Ammonites and Yahweh gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim and the men of Gilead struck Ephraim because they said, you are fugitives of Ephraim, you Gileadites in the midst of Ephraim and Manasseh. Basically, there's no mercy from Jephthah. Before, they had shown, they had shown mercy. They had wanted to placate the Ephraimites. You know, they basically didn't want to get into a fight. Jephthah is not so generous. I wonder why that is. I mean, I wonder why he didn't listen to Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Maybe if he had listened to that, Maybe if he had listened to that counsel, he wouldn't have had a problem this day. But don't forget, what had Jephthah just done? He had just sacrificed his own daughter because of the victory that God had given them. Now, whether you take the two options we talked about last night, whether he actually slit her throat and burned her alive, or whether he sentenced her to eternal chastity, made her a servant of the Lord, whichever of those two options you take, he still lost a daughter. He lost a heritage. He, he had no one to hand his land to. His family line was cut off. He was not in the mood for these jokers. So he was not going to be generous. He was not going to be kind. He said, look, we told everybody we were going to fight. Nobody came to help me except Yahweh God, and he gave them into my hands. This is mine. What is your problem? See, he was ready for a fight again because he had just lost everything. Now, here's the thing, church. We have to show resolve in a world that wants us to compromise. Maybe you get over there and you get to Afghanistan and, and Gene, you're tempted to be quiet, step into the background, maybe not pray so loud with the boys, maybe not take them to Jesus. There's a lot of Christians out there. There's a lot of chaplains out there that will say it's enough to get them to think about heaven. No, it's not. Heaven is not what it's about. It's about Jesus. Because if you don't have Jesus, you don't have heaven. Amen? Amen. So we can't compromise. Now the whole thing is, all the people of Ephraim wanted to do was steal what God had given to these people. And Jephthah said, you are not taking from me my God-given inheritance. Basically, when the world says, you need to be quiet. Christians, you need to be quiet. You need to accept all religions. You need to accept everybody's way of life. They're telling us, give up our birthright. Our birthright is eternity. Our birthright is a relationship with Yahweh God. Why should we give that up? Why should we be ashamed of it? Gentlemen, are you ashamed of your wives? Of course not. Humor me. Ladies, you ashamed of your husband? No, of course not. You love your husbands. We love the Lord. We're not ashamed of him. So why should we cower? Why should we back down? Why should we give up our birthright to be Christians? That is why men like Gene and those he serves with, men like you and women who have served in the military, that is why you put your lives on the line and many of those who have gone on before us have died so that we could be proud to be the people of God. Not so that we could intimidate others or force them into believing what we believe, but so that we cannot cower, not back down from being the people of God. And you know what? They say, well, you Christians are narrow-minded. You think there's only one way to heaven. You know what I say? You're darn right there's only one way to heaven. And it's okay to be narrow-minded when you're right. And we're right. Amen? Amen? If we weren't right, what are we doing here on a Wednesday night? 
That's my question. So here it is. He doesn't take the peaceful approach because he knows that all the Ephraimites want is to steal from his people. And he has just sacrificed a daughter. He's in no mood to be messed with. And you know what? When the world keeps pushing me to be quiet or to be politically correct, may the person who invented that term find the meaning of leprosy. I just don't. Mm. Political correctness to me is a, is a plague. It's an insanity. So he says this. I and my people had great dispute, and when I called, you did not save me from their hand. But look, this is in verse 3. The Lord gave them into my hand. So now he asks another question. Oh, okay. So God gave me the victory. Are you blaming God for my victory? Are, are you jealous of what God has given us when just a short time ago, God delivered into your hand the princes of Midian? Why are you jealous of what God's given us when God has already given you so much? And you know, as Christians, we need to think about that. We look at other Christians, we think, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of Steve. He gets to go do this and do this. Don't be jealous of Steve. If God gave Steve to do that, then Steve's going to do that. But he's going to give each and every one of you who is called by his name, who's listening to the Holy Spirit, the same opportunities. Gene has an opportunity where he is because that's where God put him. Steve has a unique opportunity because old right number Mike happened to be on the end of a misguided phone number. Here's the thing. In each one of your lives is the chance to be that person. You just have to keep your eyes open for the opportunities God brings in. Don't be jealous of somebody else. You're not supposed to be in Afghanistan. Gene is. You're not supposed to be going to lunch. Steve is. You're not supposed to be in the pulpit. I is. You're supposed to be where you is so God can do with you what he desires. Let's press on and we are done for tonight. Judges 12, 5 through 7. This may go down in history as the shortest sermon I have ever preached. No, take it back. I did do a seven-minute sermon that one time. That was the shortest sermon ever. This is going to come awful close. Judges, chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. I just wanted to follow up tonight on, on what Gene had said. And this is it. Okay, we, we know that we have to suffer with people who are jealous. And that happens all the time. We also have to show a resolve. We can't back down. We can't compromise. But we have to keep eternal vigilance. I did this sermon without talking to Gene. So I feel, Gene, what you said tonight is exactly what God intended for you to say to preface this short message. Eternal vigilance is what we must show. And it's Judges 12, 5 through 7. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. And when any one of the fugitives of Ephraim said, let me go over, the men of Gilead said to them, are you an Ephraimite? When he said, no, they said to him, then say, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth. For he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 of the Ephraimites fell. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in his city in Gilead. Now that's what I call vigilance. Even after the fight was done, notice what they did. This is important. The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. Remember way back in chapter 8, we talked about them catching the two kings? If you go back to chapter 7, you know where they caught the two kings? At the fords of the river. Now, interestingly enough, the very place where God gave them the victory over their enemies, he brought them to defeat against those they wrongly accused. Sometimes when God gives you a gift, he gives you an opportunity. 
If you misuse that gift, misuse that trust, misuse whatever it is you have, that place which was your blessing will become a trap and a snare for you. The musician whom God has given talent to can become so obsessed with his own self-importance, his gift becomes a curse, not a blessing to the Lord. The artist or the singer or the speaker or the person who's really good at, at managing finances or administration or whatever, whatever gift you've been given by God, if you do not use that for his glory, it can be turned against you. Now look what happened here. They captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. Now, whenever somebody wanted to pass over that thing, what did they say? They said, Shibboleth. Then he would say, Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it correctly. Here's what I want you to think about. There is a shibboleth in the church. Now, believe it or not, this word, which was translated first in 1611 in the King James Bible, coming out of the Hebrew, of course, when it came into the English language, it has come to mean a testing time or a place of testing. I actually looked this up. A shibboleth is a test to prove someone's worth, allegiance, or right to belong. Understand what that means. Now, all those who are Gileadites knew how to say shibboleth, which means a stream. It means a stream, basically. That's what most scholars have kind of settled on. And where were they at? They were at the ford of the stream. So say shibboleth. And they could say sibboleth. Why, remember? These were the same people who had settled in the same area, but their cultures had diverged. Their cultures and their language had changed just a little bit so that now they were like foreigners to each other. Their dialects were similar, but not exactly the same. Kind of like somebody from Boston and somebody from Tennessee. Big difference. Both of them basically speak English, but if you ask the person from Boston about the people from Tennessee, they can't understand them. If you ask the rest of the country about people from Boston, well, we can almost understand them. But that's how it goes. Those little differences creep in. And you know, sometimes, as Jeff Foxworthy says, if you have a southern accent, and if you're one of them people that comes from the hills, that's okay to talk like that, unless you're a doctor. Because Jeff Foxworthy says, do you really want to go to a doctor who says, okay, this here's what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to open your head, I'm going to fish around in there, find that knot, and I'm going to yank it out. Is that really the kind of doctor you want? Now, he may be the best brain surgeon in the world, but if he don't sound like the best brain surgeon in the world, you're not going to go to him. Okay? And is he something as simple as what you say? Boy, I prove that every day, don't I? That's terrible. Anyways, I want you to think about this. Where does wrong speech come from in the church? Does it come from where we're born? What accent we have? What nationality we're of? Wrong speech in the church comes from a wrong heart. See, the Ephraimites were a different people. And that difference was manifested in their way of speech. Now, they started this war with the Gileadites. No problem. They started the war. They had to suffer through it. But I'm going to tell you, in the church, there is a difference. If you speak to a person who calls themselves a Christian, it is not long before you will detect in the way they speak, about what they speak, and, and, and their manner of behavior. You can detect who is and who is not a believer. And it has nothing to do with intelligence or Bible knowledge. It has to do with what's coming out of their mouth. And that's what we should keep vigilance for. Now the soldiers who are in Afghanistan have to be vigilant. They have to keep doing their job 14, 16, 18 hours a day until they get on that plane, until they get home, until they get back in their own beds. Then they can let their guard down, but not until. 
As Christians, we have to watch ourselves. We have to be careful. Matthew 7, 15 through 20, and I am done tonight. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Remember that when you listen to a pastor, when you look to a leader, when you go to someone and say, oh, you're a believer. Well, good. We can trust each other. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. If you are in Christ, if you are the branch of the vine and you are rooted in the vine, the life of Christ will be manifesting in your life. If there's no change, if there's no spirit of Christ, no awareness of the Holy Spirit, if there's no change in you from now to when you were unsaved, I have to ask the question, was, was there a misprint there? Did they go ahead and try to connect you to the vine and somehow you missed and got connected, I don't know, to a lemon tree or something else? Because if there's no fruit of the Holy Spirit, man, then God ain't there. It says this in verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. That's the judgment on the last day. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The people who stood at the fords of the Jordan knew who were friends and who were enemies by the way they pronounced their words. We know who are believers by what they stand for and how they live that out. Amen? So that's all I want to wrap it up with Jephthah. Jephthah's life was amazing and it was tragic and it's much like our lives he had very high times very low moments he had rough moments and you know what the rest of his six years he didn't know peace here's the thing as Christians you don't get to let down your guard you've got to stay focused until Jesus calls you home and that may be when you're 60 80 120 I'll take 150 myself good round age I think wherever I'm at but you know what will you pay the price this is what we're done when you stand for Christ, others will resent and envy you. That's a fact. Even in a church like this, you stand up for Christ, people will resent the heck out of you. I guarantee it. If you don't know that by now, come talk to me and I'll tell you. When you stand for Christ, people will resent you. Two, remember that your hope is in the Lord not the approval of others, even Christians. If other Christians don't like what you're doing, but what you're doing is biblically correct and accurate and fulfills scripture, make them say shibboleth and see if they get it right. Because the person talking to you may be saying Christian and what's come out their face is shibboleth. So you know they're, they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Finally, we guard the gates of your mind and the hearts and your heart from the enemy. The enemy wants to poison your mind disease your heart, wear you down, make you tired. So just like our soldiers who are going into those last month, they will make terrible, tragic mistakes that will cost them everything if they get tired in the fight before the fight is done. Let's pray and we'll get you guys out of here. Thank you for joining us today in the archives. I am your host, Richard Stidham. Remember that we are a listener-supported ministry here, and if you would like to contribute in any way to keeping this message on the air, you can send any gifts to Richard Stidham, 1321 Baytown, Texas, 77521. That's P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. God bless and we'll see you again in the archives.